Hello Christchurch, welcome to another episode of Deeper as we look at Nehemiah 6. Today we are joined by Steve. You going to say Hi. hello Steve? Good to see you all. And joined by Rob. Morning, afternoon, evening all. <laughs> yeah, we never quite know when people are obviously watching this. We're recording it on the morning, but uh, whenever you're going to watch it, thank you so much for joining us. Steve, Nehemiah 6. What's your initial thoughts as we look deeper into the passage? Uh, well, firstly, just let me say, I, I thought Rob did a great job. Uh, I'm not just saying that because he's here, okay? I thought Rob did a great job on Sunday. And if you've not yet watched it, let me encourage you at home to, to go back, watch the live stream uh, and see Rob's talk. It was a, it was a really good talk. Uh, yeah, well done, Rob. Limiting you to 15 minutes is a good thing, I think. <laughs> Um, so some of the things that um, that I just saw in this, other than the things that Rob kind of has really picked up on, is just Nehemiah's determination. You know, you can see that almost, on, you can see it almost in every chapter, can't you? And you can certainly see it here. There is absolutely nothing that's going to stop him completing the work of God. And so we, even though his enemies send this, uh, send a, a request four times and send this open letter, it's just like he is going to see this work through regardless of what anyone else is doing. Um, and I, I, I just, I'm fascinated by Nehemiah. I'm just fascinated by his leadership and his determination, his focus. Uh, I want to be more like that. And I thought, you know, that was the overall thing that stands out for me is his determination to get the job done. I want to be more like that. And I think the, the, the four times, well, the fifth, fifth or five times in which these people get in contact with him, you, you may have thought after the first and the second one, he'd have just said, you know, no, no, I'm carrying on. And then, I don't know, like for me, if someone was so persistent, I'd be thinking, hmm, may, maybe there's a real reason for doing this. Maybe I should actually go and inquire about what this is. There obviously is a need here. And and maybe to, to my own detriment, I would have gone by the third and fourth time. Mm. But you're right, Nehemiah is so strong, focused on what God has called him to do. And as Rob so clearly indicates on Sunday, he's hearing from God and hearing not to be distracted, yeah. not to, uh, yeah, just, just, just take his eye off what God has called him to do. And you know, the thing that strikes me as well is, is that it's actually a very reasonable request. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. They've been at loggerheads. Uh, you know, they are now realizing, oh, everyone should be realizing that, you know, the people in Jerusalem are there to stay. They've, they've built the wall. Uh, they just got the gates to put in. Um, to have some kind of negotiation, some kind of conference is actually entirely reasonable. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Nehemiah, first of all, won't be distracted, but also sees through what they're trying to do. Yeah. He sees. I, think, I think to see through, you need clarity in what you're doing. If you're not absolutely clear on what you're doing, it's far easier to be distracted or diverted. Yeah. But the, the, the clearer you are in your vision and your calling and your work, then the, the more chance you've got of actually not being distracted by anything else. Yeah, yeah. I, think I always think Nehemiah's a little bit like Blackpool Rock. You know, if you cut Nehemiah open, say whatever you cut him open, it would say, I'm going to rebuild the walls. I'm going to rebuild the walls. 
doesn't matter what, where you go with them, that was his mantra, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, I mean, one of the other things that struck me was in verse 11, uh, where we see two sides of Nehemiah. Uh, it says, but I said, should a man like me run away or should someone like me go into the house of the temple to save his life? I will not go. And, and there's two things there, I think. Firstly, uh, he has a, a, a very confident opinion of himself. Should a man like me run away? Absolutely not. You know, because he is, the, at this point, the leader of the people. Uh, he's confident at, in that leadership. Uh, it, there's almost an arrogance to it. It could certainly be construed as arrogance. But the next line also reveals his humility. You know, should someone like me go into the temple? Absolutely not, because he's not a priest. Uh, and he understands the, the danger in going into the, the temple falsely as someone who's not authorized to go into the temple. And so you've got this kind of real strong confidence in who he is as a leader, but also real humility as well, which is a, a really fascinating combination because you don't often get those two things together. Either great humility or great confidence, but Nehemiah seems to bring them together which, I, again, I just love about Nehemiah. And what amazes me about him, is, to add on to that, is also his discernment. I know we're going to you know, look at that a bit more, but you know, this was a Jew living in Jerusalem who mm. he realised was against him. Why on earth would a Jew be against a Jew, a priest, living in Jerusalem, seeing the walls getting rebuilt, seeing the city of David, getting rebuilt, you know, and yet this uh, Shemaiah didn't want that. And no. somehow, somehow Nehemiah realises this Jew, this fellow countryman, this chosen one of God, uh, living in my midst and somebody I should be looking up to as a priest is, is against me. Yeah. It's an amazing insight, that. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of application in that, which we'll get onto in a minute, isn't it, really? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For us as Christians, you know. Yeah. How about you, Simon? What do you see in the passage? Um, I think, other than what's already been said, I, I go back to verse 9. Um, when I read it in church, I really paused at this point because it's it like, like the pinnacle verse of, of the whole thing for me. And I think it's because in my own walk in these past few months, as we've been looking um, at the Daily Connects at prayer, just, just the priority of prayer, I just see so clearly as I read scripture now, like, oh, this person, priority is prayer. This person, priority is prayer. So verse nine, but I prayed, now strengthen my hands. So he, he's, just, he's just coming to God and he's just saying, Lord, you know, th- this, this is my needs. They're, they're trying to... They're trying to weaken me. They're trying to stop me from doing what you've called me to do. But Lord, I want strength to continue in this work, continue against this battle that that these people are throwing against me to try and stop me doing what I'm doing. But Lord, I'm holding on to you. You're my rock. Strengthen my hands. Um, that that would be like the biggest thing from the passage that hasn't been said already. That yeah. Yeah. I think that also shows Nehemiah's humility, as Steve would say, because praying strengthen my hands, my understanding is that that, that prayer is, Lord, don't let me get discouraged. Mm. The fact that he's, he's saying these words means that he's thinking about discouragement. The, these mm. thoughts are entering his mind. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
they're entering his mind and, and he's just holding it up to God and saying, God, don't let me be discouraged. You know, that's what strength in my hands means, you know, and he realizes that it's God that this is strength. That's right. I think that's a good insight, isn't it? Because when we look at some of some you know, lead, Christian leaders and particularly leaders in scripture, we can put them on such a pedal that we think I can never be like them. And yet Nehemiah was just an ordinary person. He just had incredible focus. Uh, and the kind of fears, anxieties, concerns that we would all have in his situation, he had. He did have these concerns. And, you know, the thing that strikes me about this chapter, as opposed to, say, like, in uh, was it chapter four where there was opposition, uh, this is very personally directed towards Nehemiah. It's not against the people of Israel. It is absolutely focused on Nehemiah as a person. Uh, that would have that would eat away at you. It would eat away at me. And so he prays, you know, Lord, don't let me be discouraged. Strengthen my hands. That that's there in his mind, isn't it? It's there in his heart, but he's determined not to allow it to affect him. Yeah. It's a choice. The, the other thing, not the thing, but you know, if he had got discouraged at this point in time, if at this point in time he got distracted all the efforts would have basically been useless because a city without any gates is pretty useless as a defense mechanism. You know, all that time, all that effort, all that good work, you know, critical point. This is maybe why they, they sent the letter five times, you know, in the first five verses, you know, because all the walls in the world, you know, if you don't have any gates on your defense mechanism, it's, it's useless. There were plenty of gates as well, wasn't there? It was like this, yeah. too, there's plenty of gates, yeah. I think just to finish, I mean, I also like the final few verses because uh, I find them funny. Because <laughs> uh, here's Tobias' mates coming up to Nehemiah saying, what a great guy Tobias is, even though he's tried to kill you like four or five times. I think they've now realized they are not going to overcome Nehemiah. And so they're trying to butter him up and say, you know, Tobias, he's not such a bad lad. You know, he's done all these good things. Um, it's almost hilarious in, the, in its kind of makeup here. It's Tobiah sees he can't beat Nehemiah, so I'll get on board with him. Mm-hmm. A bit too late, though, isn't it, for him? It's a bit too late. Great. Um, this is, <laughs> when I was reading this in church as well, just verse 7. There is a king in Judah. Did anyone else just want to shout out, yeah, it's going to be Jesus. It's Jesus. <laughs> But I didn't shout it out in church, even though I really wanted to. Anyway, that's deeper. We are now going to go wider. So, Steve, we're going to look at going wider in this passage. You have some incredible insights, obviously, as always. <laughs> I'm, I'm still sucking up. You're leaving now, Simon. You're leaving now. You don't have to do this anymore. You know. Steve, do you want to tell us your six-part point to this? I'll go over them very quickly and then we can chat about them, okay? So um, <laughs> when I look at this passage, when I look at uh, what's happening to Nehemiah, I can see uh, six things that the enemy could have used to stop him engaging with the work of God here. Uh, and the first one is just simply distraction, you know, going off to, to meet with uh, to, to Bayer and the others. Uh, he could have just been distracted from the work. Uh, the second thing is uh, pride could have got in the way. Um, he could have gone to meet with Tobias and others just to gloat. You know, look, I've completed the walls. You tried to stop me. I've completed the walls. I think pride could have got in there. 
uh, but it didn't. Um, if he was anything like quite a lot of people, he would have gone to meet uh, Tobias and others simply to people please. And Nehemiah was no people pleaser. Uh, then, then we see how the enemy is trying to use rumor. You know, with the letter, the open letter that everyone gets to read, you know, saying that Nehemiah is going to present himself as the king over Jerusalem and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's all just a rumor. And I love in the letter where it says, you know, uh, uh, and Geshem says it's true. Next <laughs> Geshem. Oh, well. is, you know? <laughs> uh, but the moment someone says that, everyone starts to believe it. Uh, because we see that in, in so many situations, don't we? So there's rumor going around. And again, Nehemiah doesn't stop, allow that to stop him. There is fear. You know, they are coming after him to kill him. And he could have hidden himself away in the temple, uh, but he didn't. Uh, and then he could have simply moved outside the will of God. So gone and hid in the temple would have been that. He was absolutely within the will of God overseeing the building of the walls and putting in the gates. Uh, that was God's will for his life. And then to have moved beyond that would have taken him outside of the will of God. And so I think there's six things, though, that I think we all face at different points when we are trying to do something for God. You know, just simple distraction, pride, people-pleasing, rumor, fear, and then simply doing things our way, moving outside the will of God. And um, it just struck me that as I looked at that, those six things started to kind of come together for me. And, and I think it's, it's what we do in those times um, to ensure that we stay focused on God's work and to prevent the enemy from getting in and, and taking over. Do, do you have any advice on how to do that in those six things, Steve. I'm hoping Rob would, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you're going through, I'm thinking for, for some of them, you know, for, for there's easy there's easy things to do, but some of them I think it's really difficult. For for fear, you know, I always say fear is false evidence appearing real, and you need to go back and look and and you can look at the the scriptures to get guidelines and how you should react. We know how we should react with regard to pride, you know. But so, so the scriptures gives us clear guidelines that, that we can uh, utilize. But for some, like for example, with stepping outside the will of God, for me, I, I find that really tough because you have to be knowing the will of God for your life, i.e., hearing from God, you know, on a, a, a regular basis, and and we know that. But actually, doing that is a, is, is 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 harder. You know, because, you know, very rarely do I, I don't know about you guys, hear a, 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 ver a verbal voice of God. It's normally a, a thought in my head. And we know that, well, I know that, that I can twist these thoughts. Mm. So, so for me, hearing from God is probably the hardest out of these five to stay in as well. But I would once again say that it's the Bible that helps you, you know, identify if, if what you're saying, what you're thinking, you know, is coherent with with the displayed, what you know, living word of God. Yeah, and I think you know, there's there's a danger. I think that we kind of, uh, we, as I said before, we put Nehemiah on some kind of pedestal. But you know, it's quite obvious that these were things that he could have struggled with, uh, and all this comes at a time of success for him. And I think 
whenever anything is going well for us, we can take our, our foot off the spiritual pedal in a sense and kind of just coast. Um, but Nehemiah doesn't. He, he stays focused on the task. You know, so if you look at other people in scripture, like, um, so like David, uh, you know, the, when he sinned with Bathsheba, it was at a time of success. Mm. You know, he, he'd won loads of battles. He was sending off his troops. They were conquering all of the area. Uh, and that's when he goes into lust. Um, success is a, is a dangerous thing, uh, perhaps more so than failure. And Nehemiah doesn't allow success to influence his life. He keeps coming back to God. He, as Simon said before, he keeps coming back to prayer. And, you know, how often do we say it? But prayer and reading the Bible are absolutely foundational in keeping yourself rooted in God and within the will of God. Those two things, if you just keep doing those consistently, then all the possible distractions and all the work of the enemy, you can face comfortably, I think. And I love Oh, sorry. Yeah. I love what you said um, on Sunday, Rob, about how God will only say something to you that matches up and, and weighs against the Bible. You know, there'll be nothing contradictory that God, or at least that we think God is saying to us, that is not then in Scripture. So in terms of moving out of the will of God, you know, we, 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 have our, we have our life plan here. We have what God is willing us to do in this book. Yes, it might not specifically say, oh, in Acts, whatever, go and get this job or go and do this specifically. That, that's how we need to weigh against scripture. But we know the will of God for our lives is to be a disciple of Jesus to walk in his ways, to do his wills, to follow his example, to be prayerful, to be reading this and so on. And that's therefore how we would weigh all that up against the will of God, I guess. But I've, I've learned so much from just sitting at your two's feet now and, and hearing those things anyway. So should we just recap those six before we then go on to some questions? So I'll say them because then people might remember that, that, that I thought about them. And yeah, 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 cool. yeah. Shall I do that? So, distraction, pride, people pleasing, rumor, fear, and then moving outside of the will of God. So, I think it'll be great for you as you are thinking about this, or if you're doing this as your mission community, to really focus on those six things and just think about where you're at with them and mm. pray into them and just be really honest and open with each other. Should we go on to some questions? Should we go further? Yes, let's do that. So we're now going to go further and we've, we've gone deeper. We've then gone wider in application and now we're going to look further at some questions. So Rob, why don't you kick us off with a question? Okay. Um, I think uh, there's quite a lot in this passage, obviously, as you've seen. But for me, uh, one question that jumps out at me is, how do we actually hear from God? You know, and also, if you're somebody who's not hearing from God, what are you doing about it? How, how are you being a disciple in this area? How are you developing your understanding, reading books, listening to podcasts, speaking to friends? But the question is, you know, how do we hear from God? Because it is something we can cultivate, isn't it? That's the thing. People think it's just a gift. You can cultivate it. So how are you? I think it's important. I think I've, I've got two questions. Um, so the first one is, out of those six possible works of the enemy, 
which, which one do you feel you're facing right now? Um, and if you are facing one, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to overcome that? Uh, second question is, uh, uh, the takeaway I had from Rob on Sunday was uh, where he said, uh, you know, there's two things you need to focus on. Remain close to God and do the work of God. Um, is there one of them that you need to work on right now? Because sometimes you know, people can be really close to God, but not doing anything for God. Uh, or the other way around, you know, they're doing loads for God, but they're so busy that they're not actually being close to God. So which ones do you need to work on? I think mine would be um, incredibly basic, but yet so fundamental in that when you are facing these trials, when you are facing this persecution, when you are facing the opposition of the enemy, what is it that you do or where is it that you go? Is it to prayer? Is it to scripture? So it's our fundamental parts of our faith that we pray to God and we read about him and his works and Jesus Christ. So are you in those times turning to that or are you turning elsewhere so that would be obviously a very personal one that you may wish to share in your mission community or you may just want to reflect on by yourself should i just one other thing i'd throw in both you know prayer and scripture but also your community yes definitely we face the enemy together not on our own that that's the whole teaching of scripture is that we do that together and i would encourage people to share stuff with others if they feel like they're facing that and I put a part B to your question, Simon. If you are not receiving any kind of spiritual trials or spiritual persecution, why is your head not above the parapet? Wow. You know, should it, uh, <laughs> Let's finish on a boom. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. That, that really, when you said that on Sunday, um, when in, in church and, and you were really making that point very clear, that, that was something that really struck me. So definitely. Yeah, shall, I, shall I pray for us and everybody who's listening? Yeah. Father God, thank you so much that we have your words that we can root and ground our lives upon. Well, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, that as it says in verse seven, there is a king in Judah and we know Jesus, that you are that king. Thank you that we can root our lives on you. Lord, thank you for this passage. Thank you for Nehemiah 6. Thank you for everything that's in it that we can just tease out and really apply to ourselves. Lord, today, as we go wider and as we reflect on some of those further questions, Lord, would you really challenge us in that? And may we not go from this place, wherever we're listening to this, unchanged. May something about our lives and our walk with you just be different from this point on. So, Lord, thank you. And we just bless you. Amen. 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 Join us on Sunday as we, was it Nehemiah? I mean, it would obviously be Nehemiah 7, but is it, is it Nehemiah 7 and 8? Or is it just Nehemiah 7? Oh, oh that's a difficult question. It must be 7 and 8, because Nehemiah 7 is not that exciting. Well, who knows? For the next instalment of Nehemiah, we will see you on Sunday. God bless everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye.